Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Trino Leaves Experience. I'm your host, Dustin Galish. Uh, we're at episode four now. Uh, this week, we actually talked with David DuPont of the Bowling Green Independent News. Uh, I talked to David for uh, quite a while about sort of news journalism, press, jazz. Uh, he actually plays trombone and uh, really just sort of dig deeper into why he started BG Independent News and sort of how he sees um, it growing over the years. This was really a, a, a unique uh, story and something that I was really excited to do was flip the script on David uh, being a reporter himself and kind of hear from him, uh, which is sort of unique. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode four of the Trina Leaves Experience. The Trina Leaves Experience is made possible with support from Grounds for Thought Coffee, quality coffee since 1989, serving Bowling Green, Ohio, and the surrounding area. You can actually order the coffee online right now if you go to groundsforthought.com. Uh, they have lots of stuff you can actually uh, get from the store, t-shirts, mugs, um, gift baskets, and certainly beans as well, sort of uh, a bunch of different blends. Go to groundsforthought.com right now and get yourself some coffee. Trino Leaves is also made possible with support from Augvents, building community, connecting people, and events. You can download the free Augvents app today at the Google Play Store and the Apple Store. You know, I talk about Augvents before, but it's really this unique app that uh, really lets you know what's happening, specifically events, music, um, in your area as quick as possible. It literally takes, you know, two clicks on your phone and you can see exactly what's going on around you. Um, if you know some events or if you know some venues that uh, would be interested in Augvents, make sure to go to augvents.com today and let them know. Hey, I also want to let everybody know that at TrinoLeaves.com right now, uh, we have a bunch of brand new merch available. We've got posters, t-shirts, stickers, buttons, and of course, uh, our last two records on vinyl. If you really want to support Trino Leaves and help us continue to make more music in the future, just make sure to go to TrinoLeaves.com today and help support us. All right, welcome to uh, the Trino Leaves Experience episode four now. Okay. So this... Uh, this is the fourth time I sat down with someone who uh, I want to have a conversation with. So Great. today we've got David DuPont uh, from Bowling Green. But that seems to be that probably simplifies you in many ways. So uh, long story short, David uh, is a reporter, sort of has worked in a bunch of different places over the years. And now we're going to dive a little deeper into what his story is. So thank you, David, for being here and sort of, uh, yeah, welcome to the space. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, interesting stuff. It's uh that you're doing no no problem so i so one thing i want to talk to you about was was sort of my interest is you know one is bg independent news because a big part of what i wanted to do with this show was really talk to people who've created something sort of from the ground up really out of necessity right. or out of just survival skills or whatever it would be or just an interest of maybe doing something so how did really bg independent get started it seems like it's probably a long story so that's why i have some time to kind of talk about because for me, I, I tell people now that when people ask me what's happening in the news, most really we go to BG Independent News. That's sort of probably unique for a town to have something like that. Am well, I wrong? Well, yeah, it's more and more, you know, more and more uh, independent news sites. Uh, usually they're digital only, the born digital are where people are going. I think one of the things that makes us a little different is you have. You know, you have two people who are very experienced in the business. You know, we both are very experienced local journalists. We, we both 
Jan, Jan McLaughlin, my business partner, uh, worked for the newspaper here for 30 years. I worked for 20 years. How this came about, it, it is sort of a complicated story, but unfortunately in another way simple. From my point of view, um, I used to walk back and forth to the newspaper. It's about a mile and a half. And you know, you get thinking. And at one point I started thinking about being in the business, you know, here and out east, worked for a number of, of publications out there, both as a full-time and as a as a freelancer. And I realized between that and my music writing, which is a whole different side of it, my work, I had worked, I had written well over a million words. I owned none of them. Really? They're all owned by the publications I, I work for. Even when the publication goes defunct, you know, you ask the publisher, uh, can you put the rights back to me? Eh, you don't hear anything. Mm. So I was, I was thinking, I was sort of at the end of my rope at the newspaper, and I was thinking with, you know, with digital technology, with the internet, is there a way for an independent writer to actually make some money or at least at least control their work a little more. That was my story. And uh, you know, I just I my my idea was I would write about the arts because that's sort of that's my specialty mm. or one of my specialties. Mm. Um, I would write about the arts and other things and you know, I started a medium site. I quit the paper. And I I started a medium site, medium site. Well, if so I, I voluntarily, I sort of voluntarily separated myself from the newspaper. About a month later, Jan, Jan was fired over. It was a pretext. I don't really want to go into the sure. details. Uh, it, it but was looking, she was looking for work. So in yeah, sense, yeah, she, sort of she was just she was at a loss. You know, she called yeah. me when she when, when she was fired. I said, yeah, "What am I going to do?" As it turns out. Um, our, I think our mutual friends, John and Elizabeth Zibble, you know, they contacted and said, you know, we've been sort of toying with this idea of starting a, a local web, you know, a local web page, and would you want to work on it? Because those those things, especially even, doesn't seem that long, five and a half years ago, doesn't seem that long ago, but in this world it was, mm. you know, most of the publications that started that way, what they lacked was, you know, real, you know, real sort of journalistic talent, real journalistic experience, and here they had, you know, two journalists who were willing to, to, to try. You know, Jan had no choice. I was willing to sort of set aside what I was doing to do this. So we launched it in, uh, in, uh, in January 2016. First, first story was Martin Luther King. Um, commemoration here in town, which I also thought was sort of fitting, and we've been going at it for five and a half years. I, I, I like to, see, you know, when people ask how we're going, you know, talking about the money aspect, you know, the, what I tell them is, I left with no expectations to make any money. You know, I I had done freelancing before, so you sort of knew what to I, expect. In I some knew ways. what sure, to yeah. expect, and so if you had told me, you know, by this point, by within even a year that you would get that much money from your writing, I would have told you, you're crazy, that's, that's great. Jan lost a real job. You know, she was counting on a, a real income. I'm older than she uh, is, so I'm sort of, you know, a, it's sort of more established, already sort of looking at the end of my career. But, 
So, you know, it's sort of between that. We, you know, we have been cash positive from like the first few months and, uh, you know, have attracted advertisers and have attracted some people who can been contributing that, that whole time, you know, like $5 a month to us and that just really helps. So, you know, that's, that's, that's how we got started. We focus, you know, for people listening who might not know about us, we focus, hyper-focus on local news. And because I didn't want to give up the arts, I still do sort of regional arts. Mm -hmm. And I actually do more in a certain way than I ever was able to do with the newspaper. Um, I have connections with the symphony and have reviewed symphony, have had a chance to, inter to interview their the conductor when he first came, Alain Trudel, when he first came, and then they called me after he'd been there a year and said, do you want to talk to him again? And, uh, and so I, can, I continue to do the arts as well as very uh, coverage in the university. Jan does amazing um, coverage of local news of Bowling Green City Council, mm -hmm. school board, as well as you know picking up all the as many human interest features as we can. So that's what we do. We publish every day. It's very seldom that we don't post. I think there has been a Christmas or two and then a, then a New Year's where we just decided we're not going to post. And I remember one of those days, I thought we had decided we weren't going to post. And then late at night, all of a sudden, I saw that Jan had put something up. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's very intense. We work yeah. seven days a week, pretty much. Uh, the one thing we haven't mastered is how to go on vacation without our computers and without filing. <laughs> so it's, it's, um, yeah, how yeah. you can't really take a break from the news. I mean, that sort of, yeah, it sort right. of gets in the way of that, that idea, right? There's always right. something happening. I mean, obviously right. some things are more excited than others, but, uh, well, it's interesting to know that, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, from the outside, outside perspective, you almost assume there are more people working on this than really the two of you in some ways, but when you really look at it, that's what, that's what it is. I mean, right. that is the, and you know, we publish stuff that people send us, you know, and we have different sections, mm -hmm. community, community voices, and unlike, you know, when you're at the newspaper, you get something like that, and you edit it, and you cut half of it out, where we just have to be more lenient, and, and in a way, that's fine. We let them say, say things in the, the way they do. Certainly, we have opinion pages, um, and I just got a, got an email saying, remind me what your, your word count is for your, for your, you know, your letters, and I said, we don't have a word Doesn't count, exist. because we don't, you know, with a newspaper, you're actually dealing with physical space. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be as long, but what I did tell this person is, uh, readers do have a limit to their patience. No, so there's you, always so much scrolling you're going yeah, to get, right? Yeah, right, sort of, yeah. even if the so, content's compelling, there's probably yeah, a limit to that. Yeah, and I have to remind myself, because I tend to, as, you know, my stories can get pretty long. No, I, I actually worked at the University of BG News for couple years it was actually yeah. something I was really into and I'm going to California and worked at the uh, the Adobe spot there because they were showing us all the tricks and trades of you know Illustrator and InDesign and all these yeah. things and so I was really into newspaper layout and sort of that world but pretty much right when I graduated it sort of just transitioned into the digital so quickly we're now the BG News here in town is like three pages yeah you know it's almost bizarre I mean I remember we were putting out almost it was five it might have been five days a week four for sure, which was pretty heavy for a, a student newspaper. And so what what do you think really triggered that? And obviously BG Independent, I, I can't imagine there was any point where you're thinking about printing this thing, you know, just no, from the cost I of it or something, you know? Yeah, so. no, I don't, I don't want to get into a print. Yeah, I like you, I 
you know, I do sort of miss the uh, miss the layout that you know that that artistic thing. I, I miss you know it's interesting writing headlines. We can write headlines any length we want, and it's interesting to me mm -hmm. writing headlines. How many times I find myself falling into little practices using certain words because you used them in newspapers because they were short. For example, the word airs. This came up, and someone didn't understand the headline. And it wasn't, it was, it was somebody who was very, very literate, very, very intelligent. Yeah. And she said, I don't, you know, she said, is that headline supposed to be this? And I said, no, airs is a burr. And, <laughs> and I said, you know, yeah, it's like, I don't think that's ever used except in newspapers. Just because <laughs> you're saving space, right? Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as that, right? Column, that, that's yeah, yeah. gold. That, that, <laughs> that, you know, that three and a half count, that three and a half count word is like, is gold. And so, yeah, I miss that. And I came up through newspapers. Yeah. You know, I, honestly, I came up through all the technology. I didn't do, I'm not old enough to have done hot, hot, you know, hot type. You know where they sure, but uh, pretty much I came in pretty. I worked with a lot of people who did that, and so when did you really start? I mean, when was when was your first real gig? I mean, was this something you were even doing in high school at all, or is this something that? Um, yeah, well, I was involved in the high school newspaper and uh, a little bit. Didn't went to college, studied. When I went to I, I studied actually studied music. Okay. In a way, in college, in a general music program, mm -hmm. I, my my undergrad degree is sort of odd. Um, I actually did an independent concentration. I have a bachelor's degree in individual concentration, okay. which is not, a, it's not a BA, it's not a BS, it is a BDIC, which hmm. interestingly, I only learned a few months ago, if you say that, everybody knows where you went to school, because <laughs> only the University of Massachusetts okay. at Amherst, we have to add that now, mm -hmm. then we didn't. Um, had this had this program, and it was basically a program where you made up your own major. So okay. I made up a jazz studies major, which hmm. now is very would be very similar to American studies here. Okay, sure. Um, and in fact, that's one of the th one of the things they have found with this is through that program, a lot of things like environmental studies that came up through students who created their own majors. Um, Nobody ever picked up on my jazz studies as a sort of a more liberal arts thing. For sure. I studied things, and the music department wasn't real crazy about me. So um, is that what really got you into writing, though? Was it music? I mean, the, the um, wanting I, to I write about it? Been, or I had, always, I had always been interested in writing as well, and because I was creating my own major. I couldn't fit things in. I couldn't fit them into my major, but I did have. So I, I, took, I took creative writing courses, mm -hmm. um, um, in, in poetry and uh, a film writing course mm -hmm. and as well as, as other writing courses. And I, my idea was I was going to take a journalism major because when I started, you could, take a, you could add a 15-credit journalism major to any, to any major. Okay. And then halfway through, they said, no, you had to be an English major. So, but I had already gotten the reporting done. Um, interestingly, I did not write about music at, with the college newspaper. It was sort of a very cliquish thing, and mm. uh, I knew guys who did it, and I knew I knew more than they did. But you know, I was you know, sure. at nineteen or twenty, you know more. Well, more you know everything about, that yes, is, right? Yeah, yes. that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's all downhill. It's all downhill <laughs> from there. Um, but I did not write. But I I played a lot. I something I don't mention much, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I was just like incredibly lucky 
that I got there at the time. This was in the, this was in the uh, I graduated from high school in 72. So at this point, the jazz scene was really in flux. Sure. And a lot of musicians, famous musicians, were heading to colleges to get a steady gig. So when I got there, you know, the jazz drummer Max Roach mm -hmm. had was teaching there. Um, the saxophonist and activist Archie Shep was there. Reggie Workman, the bassist, who worked with Coltrane and mm -hmm. Art Blakey and everyone, is yeah. I, in my mind was probably the greatest jazz bass player ever. Mm -hmm. um, was there for a year, and he was a great teacher. So I was there through with all these people. I was playing a lot. I was especially playing playing in ensembles led by by um, Archie Shep because mm -hmm. he was he used big bands and was very you know very much you know, into having students play in this stuff. And he liked uh, my trick. I don't know, was, I, my little, was I actually started using a plunger mute, you know, the, the wah-wah sound. Oh, really? You hear yeah, yeah. on, uh, you know, Charlie Brown, but sure. from Duke yeah. Ellington, I was a great Duke Ellington fan. Hmm. And I started using the, the plunger sound and he, he, was, he was intrigued by that. So he, he would, Put me in, you know, concerts of his music. So it it was a very heady time. It was it was a very it was a very heady time that we spent there. And uh, you know, it's not, you know, it probably is, you know, a few quarts short on the the talent thing. I, I've always <laughs> to, I've always told people my, uh, you know, my my aspirations and my taste exceed my talent. So but I did play. I did, sure. I no, did sometimes play the standard games. in which you're going for can put some limitations on, yeah, even what you're seeking, right? right? Yeah, it is sort of uh, the things, that those you look up to and sometimes can play into, like, if you continue to pursue something. Right. You know, it, sort of, I, and to be honest, even from, a, even from that age, I was aware of the compromises you were making with your, your lifestyle if you were actually going to be sure. working as a musician. <laughs> no, so, there's a lot involved. But I yeah. still, I, I played all through college and mm -hmm. worked in big bands and even afterwards worked with uh, big bands and occasionally would get my horn out for things. Uh, I played in the holiday parade once, <laughs> marching down the street, yeah, yeah. Um, and I still play. I, I keep my horn out. I just spent a whole lot of money on getting my my prized horn rehabbed, uh, and I still get it out and jam and you know enjoy playing. I wish I had more time to play. That's yeah. uh, the one thing I miss. I wish I had you know was doing. My son, who was uh, my eldest son, played French horn, and once he and we would play duets. And once mm -hmm. I was getting on him about practicing, and he said, "I don't see you practicing an hour a day." You're like touche, yes. I and I <laughs> was like, I just thought <laughs> if it would be so great to have an hour a day that I could just dedicate that that would be that I could dedicate it and not feel guilty that I was supposed to be cooking dinner or writing this story just dedicate to, to playing my horn. And that's I haven't a, gotten there yet. That's but. a very hard thing to do. That's something I deal with even now as a musician of finding that dedicated time to where it doesn't feel overly selfish and or indulgent right. in ways, you know, and you need that time in order to develop and or do things, even if it's just for your own amusement and just sort of just feeling better because you want to play your instrument. You know? Yeah, and it's just... Uh, uh, it's I'm, amazing what we do in an hour each day to yeah. the waste, right? I mean, yeah. we could all probably find an hour every day we've wasted just walking down a hallway again for some reason. Yeah, you know, so. just, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, it's one of the drawbacks of working, 
working online is that I'm in front of that computer and that's there's so many time sucks you know you all of a sudden you follow all of a sudden you look up something you need for a story which looks which leads you to another website which and all of a sudden an hour later you're looking at cats or something. I don't do cat videos <laughs> I mean but you know you're reading about the battle of bunker hill or something and it's like there's nah. a reason why those cat videos have so many views they are yeah. distracting now for sure um but yeah as I would love I, I love playing my horn and uh, you know there have been times when I have found that you know in and it's it's just because I you know I just play all kinds of stuff I play a lot of jazz still I, I uh for those who in the jazz field who know the Jamie Abersall play along records, they're basically a rhythm section <laughs> playing, and you play along to oh, these yeah. tunes. Um, I've gotten into those, uh, and but I also play Bach and I also play opera etudes and all this stuff. I have, I have a, a book uh, of Bardoni um, etudes, which are classic trombone literature. For, for learning, I've been playing these things for 50 years, and I still get them out and I play them, and they're still great. And looking forward to uh, the trombone professor here, Brittany Lash, has just put out a book of opera arias, and as soon as I saw it, I bought it, and uh, am looking forward to, to getting into that, that a little more. So it's, you know, that's who, yeah, I'm still connected in that way, but. Uh, most of my connection to music has been in jazz, has been uh, writing about it for many years. So here, here's something that really interests me. So, you know, being a musician and having an appreciation for that almost first, right? And then comes sort of getting involved in writing stories, re reviews, sort of press releases, things like that. I think what I'd like to kind of talk to you about is how do you feel like the role of the press has changed in the world of music? And the positives and negatives of that because in many ways like you you had some magazines in the newspaper and there wasn't a whole lot else outside of that there's some underground stuff which is still in the same vein but there, it seems like that's really where reviews and people's feedback was there wasn't the internet there wasn't everyone's idea of what this song is or what everyone's opinion of it is right. and many of these opinions are very ignorant in a sense of just they're just emotional they're, there's, yeah. they're not, there's no appreciation for the history and the context for why they're doing what they're doing so it'd be like where do you feel like music review and or just the press's role in music is right now? Because so much people do their own press in a right. way, right? It's like, do you feel like, I still feel like it's needed because it's sort of self-serving to almost like write your own, your own, write your own review. I almost feel like that happens now in the, in the, the music world. Yeah, it's, I've, in terms of jazz, and I think it's reflected in others, it's pretty much diminished. It's, it's gone. It, when I, st I, I started writing when I could actually get some compensation for it. I worked for about 20 years, or wrote for a magazine called Cadence, a wonderful publication um, that was started by a guy who wrote for Downbeat and ran a pizza parlor. His name is Bob Roosh. Uh, Jeff Halsey, the bass player here, has lots of stories about Bob. He know mm -hmm. he knew him as well, and he moved up to he moved up to. I mean, like the middle of nowhere in upstate New York. You know, people say upstate New York, and they mean a whole lot of. This is truly upstate. Mm -hmm. This is up by Alexandria Bay, and people ask him, you know, why'd you move up here? And he said, it's 300 miles from New York City, and I couldn't play, find a place that was 301. 
And he's just, he was almost, he's almost like a prophet. He was, he was, Bob was a great guy. I worked for them for 20 years, and the compensation was they'd either pay you this much in cash or they'd pay you twice as much in credit. And in order to keep this business going, they had a record distribution business for a while. They were the leading distribu distributor of um, new music out of, out of, out of Europe. So okay. if you wanted Hat Art or these other labels out of, out of Europe, mm -hmm. you went through Bob. Okay. And they also, his son also had an interest in audio. And so they had these very high-end audio systems. You know, every Christmas they would pick, they would have their 10 audio systems for Christmas. And the bottom one was stuff we could maybe afford. The mm. top one, he, he would do a top one, which was like $100,000 of absolutely top stuff. Mm. And so, you know, I would take the credit. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the, I still have that equipment. I still have a lot of that equipment. Um, but I was still getting stuff, paid something. Now, now it's, it's free. I, I'm not going to name the, I recently, you're talking about almost writing your own stuff. I had, a, I had someone, a friend, approach me about writing a review of his of his stuff and I knew his stuff so I knew I could write a good review a, a positive review and and it was interesting and so I contacted this site and I arranged and then I signed up with them and they said you know just look you know and they said okay you can do it and I published it and I thought okay maybe I'll do occasional stuff but the problem is not only do they not pay you but they expect you to do all this coding for, you know, you have to put this in brackets so it's in sure. boldface. And it's almost like the old days with, with um, the old days with, with, um, with typesetting on, with a computer, where you, you had to, nothing was WYSIWYG, which, you know WYSIWYG? No, no. Well, that's WYSIWYG. What that you see is what you get. This okay. is what made, this was one of the beauties of Apple. Yeah. When they came out, what you see is what you get. That you could put something down and you knew that's what it would appear. Mm -hmm. And it was a big deal then because sure. before you had to put in, if something was in boldface, you had to put something in and you had to code all this, sure. all, all of this. And then, and what's interesting is you guys don't know about it and it's not used anymore. I use WordPress for, for BG Indie okay. and I don't. I, I put a draft in and it's... I have to look at it, preview it to see how it's actually going to come out because yeah. stuff comes out differently. Anyways, that's <laughs> off. So uh, you'd have to do all this, but I'm not getting paid. Well, you know what? I, I've been around enough. I, you know, my name is out there enough. I don't really need to spend my time doing that. Yeah. And I sort of burned out writing record reviews. I would do about, I think, about 100 a year for them. Really? I, also, I also contributed to um, All Music Guide and... Uh, a site called One Final Note, which was my favorite. That was, mm -hmm. uh, I worked for them for about, worked, contributed to them for four or five years. That was a free site, but I had, they, would, they were taking some features from me and I could do some good, um, I thought good, live reporting, which is, writing about a live concert to me is my, pretty much my favorite thing. Sure. You know, if it's an artist, I know. If it's, I, you know, back in my newspaper days, I would get sent out to see bands I had never heard of until I was assigned. And this was before the internet. That's something, you know, actually, you know what? The art of writing the live review has almost just become a, just a ghost. You know, it's right. almost like I kind of remember that being, like, even larger newspapers would still do that. Right. Like, a band would be in town, you'd send, they would, 
they explain why the show was interesting, the visuals, right. the sound, the performance, all these things. Right, and artists do, you know. It's so unique, yeah. Um, I'm going to draw a blank on his name. He was, he, he was a keyboard player, played for the Grateful Dead, hmm. played at Howard's. And I called him, interviewed him, and um, did an advanced story. And then, then Linda, Linda being my wife, um, went down to the show. And it was interesting. You could see after the break, because it was like he was with the dead, so he had all these young, young deadheads, young, mm -hmm. young, young people. And you could see him getting off the stage, and Howard sort of checking the crowd and seeing us and saying, you know, because he's, he's our age, you know, sure. maybe even a little older. Yeah. So, okay, there's people my age. And then I came over and I said, I introduced him. And he's fine. He said, oh, you're writing a, show, a story in the show. And I said, no, I'm, you know, we don't really do reviews. We do advances to try to get people out. But, yeah. um, and he was, you know, he said, oh, too bad. Because, you know. As an artist, you kind of want that more. I think right, that's something you, I've run into. And, and it's like, it's hard to sort of ask that. It's like part of there's a fear that they, you almost like, could they write a bad review about you, right? I guess and right. not everyone wants that too, but there's at least the honesty of it. If anything, it might make you reevaluate yourself a little bit too, you oh. know, because what are you going to have the game from writing to say that they were bad or something? Nothing. You're just trying to be honest about yeah, it. And I think it's, that's, as opposed to just, hey, they're, here they are. This is the time. This is the place. That That's still a thing, but I kind of like, sometimes even when I worked with press was like, yeah. Just tell me something about what we did. Like, even tell me why you don't like it, yeah. or or if you do, like, let's have a conversation about that. I think that's sort of like it's not a critique of the press, but I just noticed that's not as much there as it well, used to be. You know, and and maybe out of I don't know why. You know, yeah, I think people like to up, you know, like things, or but I but that's what I hate when I I much rather have someone give me their words and their feelings about something than just pressing a, a button. You know, it doesn't correlate anything to me. Yeah, you liking that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's um, one of the problems, and I know this is is true in Janice's journalism, which I'm closest to, but I really don't follow very much anymore. Um, but there's a real there's a real sense of people only write about what they like. Correct. Yeah. Yo, know, and the thing about writing for Cadence was I would get a box, would show up. And Bob would just send you, and, and Cadence promised to review anything they got as long as you sent them two copies. <laughs> I like that. You send them two copies of this. this <laughs> these are in the CD times. Um, you send them two copies of the CD, they will review everything. Sometimes he'd look at stuff and he'd have, I forget, it was sort of like a bits and pieces column. So, so we would, you know, so the reviews would be short or they wouldn't be full, necessarily full sure. reviews, but at least they would get mentioned. At least you'd have something. So in that case, I had no idea what I would get. And I. That seems I, exciting to me as a writer. Right. That's far more of it as right. opposed to, oh, I'm good. I know this style of music. I know I'm going to get stuff in this little bubble and I'll get my little take on yeah. it, you know, and sort of. But I think, yeah, it'd be interesting to, to be, you know, yeah, be surprised and, by something. Yeah, and, and it was, know. most of the stuff was of decent quality. It really turned, you know, then it turned towards the end. I, uh, I'm trying to remember when I, when I sort of retired from that. It was probably 2000, 2010, 2012 or something. I finally said, no, I've, I've had enough. What's unique about Bowling Green and its art community? And how has that changed? You, how long have you been in Bowling Green? That's probably started there. How long have you lived here now? Uh, we moved here uh, in 1997. I am okay. officially a trailing spouse, which okay. is a uh, academic term for somebody who follows their uh, academic spouse around the country. My wife is a is a librarian, and she's 
retired as of the beginning of the year. She's oh. now, she is now a uh, associate professor emeriti. Uh, and we moved here. She got a job at Jerome Library in 93. Um, I was at that time only doing the music writing mm -hmm. because I was st I'd stayed home. We had our twins were born in 1990, and we uh, our son who was was born in 1984. So I I came here uh, sort of the, one of the deals. I said if we're moving there, I'm not getting a job for the first year. I just wanted to settle the family and get them settled. So it was a little it was you know it was tight. But we, we got through it, and I, w I was a stay-at-home dad. And then in 95, they went, they went to, uh, started going full-time to school, half day at Montessori, half day at, the, at, at Kenwood. And it just so happens that there was an opening at the paper. And so I, I joined on, and I think a little bit of a, I, I think the editor probably over the years had many second thoughts about that decision. <laughs> Um, you know, because most of the people who were there had actually come there for right out of college, whereas... Were they I, sort of locals, too? I mean, were you sort yeah, of kind of much. like this East yeah, Coast kid, sort of, sort of our guy, you yeah. know, sort of coming in, sort of a little yeah. bit more of an outsider? I mean, with Bowling oh. Green, obviously, that's not super uncommon. It's a transient town, yeah, so was, you, you know, but... In, in, that, in that setting, I, yes, it was. I very much felt like, yeah, I, I came here and uh, yeah, maybe had, you know, had, had different had different values, had come from uh, my, the paper I worked for before was the Observer Dispatch in, in uh, Utica, New York, which is in the Mohawk Valley. It has the distinction of being one of the uh, few Gannett papers that actually won its Pulitzer while it was a Gannett paper as opposed to one that they bought. And this nope. was years what before. This was that was like term? What does that 60s. term mean? What? What does that term mean? Gannett? Yeah, yeah. Gannett is the largest, or they were the largest newspaper media company okay, in the okay, country. Okay, Gannett, okay. USA Today. Okay, all right, all right. Oh, all right. Um, so, yeah, and it was very corporate. It was, you know, we referred to Gannettoids <laughs> as those people who really saw their future as not journalists, but as a member of this corporate thing. Didn't fit in well there either. Yeah. Um, but I spent time, I, I spent, that was where I worked, and it was a much more combative side of sort of thing where people didn't, where people getting after each other was not unusual. So. Is that more related to like the culture of, you know, working for something that's more of a corporation that, because, no, of, because of investors, or is that, was it just more no, of a culture? No, it's just a culture thing. Culture. Of, of a re that's yeah. more true to what newspapers are like, or that were then. Um, yeah. It's pretty feisty business, and so when I came here and the editor said something and I disagreed with him, and then he disagreed with me, it would have been, up to that point, it would have been, okay, that's the end of it. But I, that's not how I came up, and I yeah. would disagree. If I was right, I was right. And um, so, it, yeah, it was a little bit of a, a culture shock. The paper was it was actually, we didn't realize it, but was was heading towards a really strong time. We had young reporters who were just sort of growing it, becoming mature and, and really wanting to do more, um, really wanting to expand out of the, uh, you know, the paper's traditional sort of very, very conservative, very staid, staid, um, delivery of the news and what they covered and 
you know, we were we were given we were given some some leeway some leeway to do that. One of the things was I became the arts and entertainment editor, which which used to be just okay. You lay out the TV page and mm -hmm. you, you know you throw in wire stuff and and run a press release or two. Yeah. And I took it beyond that, including they used to hire somebody to do their their theater, their stories on theater and theater reviews, and I started doing that and. I just made it, you know, I made it much more a part of the paper, which was, uh, which was important because the paper prided itself on having all local stories on page one. So if I, I developed this whole, whole other side and occasionally I would find arts and entertainment stories local that, you know, would, would help fill out that. So yeah, that was what I did, but I also did a lot of other things. I covered school boards and Rossford City Council and all the, Roster development. Yeah. So it was. That's that's what the life life of a small town journalist is. Is you just you know you cover you cover a lot of things and if you're lucky enough as I was, um, to be able to cover what you like, and be able to fit in what you like and talk to people, uh, that's great. And and to get back to your original question, what's my take was is I wasn't an arts writer and who looked down on stuff. I was as interested in what was going on at Howard's um, as I was at what was going on at the university and vice versa. I yeah. understood that w the importance of the stuff that was going on at the university. This was all the time when, when um, BGSU has always been known for having the new music festival yeah. and that only got stronger and stronger as I was here and now they have the doctorate in, in um, contemporary music, which is one of the only, if n maybe one of, of, of one or two others. Yeah. Um, and these, the people who come in for this, or many of them are already established in, in their field and, and performing, and that's great. Howard's at that point was bringing in, you know, national acts yeah. and some interesting, some, some really interesting acts. So it was, there was a vibrancy in there, there is a vibrancy. It was about the time the uh, Black Swamp Arts Festival was starting. Really? So yeah, I, yeah, it would be about the same time, right? Because when, when, when was the first Black Swamp Arts? I'm trying to think now. They just had their 25th anniversary like three years ago. Yeah. I think right before yeah. the deluge, as yeah. it were. It's like 93, um, 94 in there. So. Yeah, and we've been going. We Actually, it's 93. I, yeah. I know that because we went. I remember going to the first one. We had friends who said, oh, there's this festival they're starting. Yeah. And remember walking down here on, on Main Street and the booths were like, <laughs> it was like, oh, was this, you know, this was like a foreshadowing of the pandemic except they were more than six feet <laughs> apart you know as opposed that was to it, yeah. cluster just smashed in there now yeah, yeah it is now, and yeah. uh yeah and the opening night was uh when they got rained out and ended up doing the show at st mark's <laughs> which we i was not at that show we when it was pouring that's such a strange location you know I, yeah to think but that was what that's what was available at the time yeah I suppose, uh, we ended people up, in there you know we ended up going uh i had also heard that the great Cleveland saxophonist Ernie Krivda mm -hmm. was playing at Rusty's, and I don't know if you know anything about. No. Yeah. See, this is all Rusty's is a legendary jazz bar in Toledo. Okay. And off it was off Detroit. Okay. And it was not in the actually down in the city. It was and it was before Murphy's, which was then the other, mm -hmm. the other club. And Krivda is a. No, I knew him since before I, I arrived here, and I said, oh shit, I want to see want to see him so we went to that that night and that 
did not go to St. Mark's to see, what's his name? Draw a blank on his name. Um, he's dead now. We don't need it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can picture him. Yeah. What was he was saying old songs. He sang really Redbone, Leon Redbone. Oh, Leon Redbone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, he's, and he came back. He would come back every few years hmm. to, to play the festival. Well, I think, to me, what's kind of interesting with the Black Small Arts Festival is that it seemed like there was a strange that that didn't exist before. You almost take it for granted right. now that this sort of this huge event is just, right. just here, right? And that was something that was really, I don't know, it was created by the community out of necessity. And in some right. ways, because the university had been doing a lot of stuff musically for years right. too. Um, but even the new music festival myself was not familiar with it too much. Yeah. You know, it took me years to even know that that was going right. on. I was really, in, I got into more contemporary music yeah. and things like that too. So that helped a bit. Not many people are, aware of like Harold Budd or some sort of, right. you know, very like minimalist piano player. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it feels like over the last, at least the last year that music has, because of there's nothing going on in arts and entertainment, right? Which is, that's sort of something new too, where yeah. it's sort of, how do you take that and keep it moving but at the same time? Like that story, we're retelling the same thing over and over. Like, oh, what are you doing in a pandemic? You know, could probably get yeah. a little redundant. So Maybe talk. Let's talk a little bit about how pan, the pandemic has really affected reporting, and go into like how you adjusted to that, and sort of how do you see sort of journalism now coming out of this time? Because I think we're almost in a new place for everything, even journalism. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think certainly that was the fear. Now, at the beginning, it was so such chaos, and it's interesting because the beginning of the pandemic to me is really tied to the arts you know because i remember that's kind of how you remember it right like, it's like right. When, this when was the last show, show i went to yeah, yeah you know the last and the, the week before it, it happened in march which is as you probably know is just is just the most packed time you know from from probably the second week of march through the into the first week of may I will typically have, you know, two to three things to cover in that period or, or write stories about. And well, especially in this area, because it's like dormant, right? It's the right. winter months. So everyone's just waiting to even right. just do things. All know, the sort of yeah, it's sort of like that's that's the timeline. And it frustrates me. And, you know, I'll say I cover theater and it's like, why do the university and black song players they don't produce that many shows. Why do they so often fall on the same week? Same time, yeah, yeah. Um, because that means one night, I have to figure out one night for them, you know, whatever. But yeah. it's, you know, I think there was that fear. What are we going to cover? But there was, you know, you, once you got into covering it, Jan took care of the health department. She always, she had been covering the health department for well before okay. BG Independent. And so we did that. And so she was covering that. We were covering, you know, the university was changing its policies almost daily, sure. trying to keep people up with that. And then they, it started, you know, and I, I did the requisite, uh, you know, talking to musicians. I think I talked with you, mm -hmm. talking with musicians, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. I, I'll tell you a funny, and I'm going to use his name because Bob is, Bob is, has a good sense of you. Bob Manley, the saxophonist. Yeah. Great, great. Pop, pop, jazz, funk saxophonist works a lot. You mm -hmm. know, you for a, a saxophonist, you know, he works four to five nights a week yeah. in in normal times. And <laughs> I remember talking to him, 
And he said, well, you know, I'm really, I'm taking this time to really woodshed and really playing with, playing the scales and playing the bebop stuff and really woodshed. <laughs> and I just saw <laughs> recently he, uh, at Howard's, he was playing with Joe Baker. And <laughs> he said, you know, you should have talked to me two weeks later. I wasn't playing at all. <laughs> at all, yeah. So he sounded like he had been just, like, yeah, just working was, through well, the I'm pandemic. Sure was, yeah. I'm sure he was committed to it, but it was yeah. like, yeah, that, that didn't okay. last. Um, he still sounds great. You, sure. know, you, you wouldn't tell. But, um, and, then, and then actually, apparently, he, he was picking up you know, a few shows even, even then. But yeah. Um, yeah, and we went into the whole virtual, virtual stuff and Zoom meetings and arts groups trying to figure out how we're going to, you know, putting stuff up on Zoom mm. and, you know, writing about that and the, that whole process, you know. The, the Toledo Symphony, the tuba player here put together this Gabrielli piece, this for brass, by you know piecing to having everybody record their parts separately mm -hmm. and then putting it together. And that was, you know, to do that, that was, you know, such a, he had never done it before. The players hadn't, it was such a, you know, a, a feat to do that. And that sort, of, that sort of stuff became sort of old hat. You know, you see a lot of choral stuff go up that way. Yeah, it became almost common. Yeah, you're just yeah, like, oh, you guys did one too you now. You know, sort of and, <laughs> and to see that, you know, to see, to see theater troops doing, you know, doing shows virtually where it's like they're acting, but it's like one person on the screen and then the other person <laughs> recording from their home on the screen. And it was sort of fun, but I have to say, and I won't say what the show was, um, but I did see one show, and my reaction was, I am so sick of pandemic shows. <laughs> well, music's music's the same, man. I think yeah. that you saw some bands try it, and we're sort of doing these sort of, you know, living room shows. I mean, even famous right. musicians at some point right. were sort of, um, you're, you're familiar with Robert Fripp, probably familiar yeah. with him, and him, his wife yeah. did this really, I actually liked theirs. They did this sort of kitchen series where they were just having fun, and but a lot of it, it was still just, it was when bands were trying or artists were trying to almost make it so they were covering gr the ground that was missing. And it's yeah. so apparent that that stuff doesn't translate the same way. There is something about the being there in, right. in the human form. And so it does, yeah. the digital doesn't translate. Even the music, it's like in the end, you want to hear it. And streaming something live through your phone, it's, just, it's not the premium way to hear something. So right. you know, I really don't want to watch you perform if I can't hear what you're doing. Right. You know, yeah, it's, like, uh, there's a jazz pianist, Fred Hirsch, would do a tune, tune of the day, and he would. It was just that. It was just one tune, yeah. and it was great. It was great to hear him pull pull out odd stuff, and he actually put a CD out later of his favorites. And from it, that, yeah, yeah, and it's. Uh, I think he includes you know like things like by the time I get to Phoenix and stuff <laughs> like that, and it's is that he wouldn't normally play, but. Yeah, after a while, he just ended that. I, I yeah. think he figured, oh, I got to figure out a way I can get, I can monetize this too. And it was his uh, his husband who was who was doing the camera work, and sometimes the camera would be like, it would be the boom, sure. and like, right, would be yeah. facing up on the ceiling. Um, but Unique though, I mean, probably never going to have access right. to some of that stuff ever right. again, right? Yeah, and this might have been a once in a lifetime of, thing, really. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to see the inside of Fred's. Manhattan apartment, so yeah, yeah it w it was fun. And what do you just a you know just a struggle you know for so many people. 
What did you, for you in the sense of like missing, did you feel like you missed being out in public and those interactions? I mean, the, the digital side of it, I think a big part of your job is just showing up places, sure. being involved, feeling sure. you're, you're part of this community more and it sort of had a bit harder to feel more invested in that stuff. Right. Just and your for, screen, you, know? you know, a big part of what I do is cover the university, not just the art side, but the university as a whole. And what you miss is you miss, you know, being there and being able to actually talk to people without an inter intermediary saying, oh, I can set that up for you or even emailing somebody. Yeah. You know, you're just there. You just chat. You hear about stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you, you make, you know, that's that's how you know that's how you make your connections and and that's that's really what I miss the the most honestly sometimes that a presentation or a speech is that I can watch it sitting in my living room maybe isn't all that bad sure some things probably translate well it's like right. I, I can I don't need to be there to really understand this yeah it's just information um, or things and like I wrote that. I wrote a bit about it you know I with the symphony um, you know they were streaming stuff you know and we would watch the streams, but it, you know, as soon as they were letting some people in, we were we were at shows. You yeah, know, we'll be at we were at a show uh, just a week or two ago. I don't think we we're this weekend, but um, just over the weekend, we we were at a show when oh, and the conductor Elaine Trudell was stuck in Canada for the entire pandemic. He just got back into mm -hmm. the United States, so they would have guest conductors. But Elaine, who is just an amazing. A very vivacious Canadian with an, a, a phenomenal life story. Um, he would always appear on the screen and say, "Oh, I'm talking to you from from Canada. They won't let me in. They won't let me in. But I, I'm glad you're here to listen to the show. And this is what you think. You know, it's great. It's That's great. Awesome. Um, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I miss that. You, you miss the miss the social part, but you know, you, you make do. Do you feel like that's, a, that's, an, that's an important part of reporting things as honestly as you can, that part? Do you feel like there's a bit of that, having that sort of invisible wall between you and even who you're talking to, it gives them more time to think about what they want to say to you. You know, there's sort of that, it's like we all know that when you have more time to sort of yeah. think what, you lose that sort of spur of the moment. It's, it's kind of one of those reasons why I even want to do this show is because I was getting burned out of that experience where I just want to like, have these interactions like where yeah. I can get a real reaction on you don't tell me five minutes from now or you have time to think about or right you know. I you know I I've always done telephone interviews that's part of the business mm -hmm. um and I I I think I'm a good telephone interviewer what I found about telephone interviews is I've always had I need to talk like black swamp artists it's going to take me 15 or 20 minutes doesn't seem like a long time mm -hmm. but if you've done your homework you really should get the good quotes that yeah. you need in 15 or 20 minutes mm -hmm. I could never do an interview in 20 minutes during the pandemic it was always a half an hour and I think it was <laughs> that both of us were sort of just, just wanting to talk of, to somebody yeah, sort of like, I would that. listen to the tape and I say oh no yeah. that's we, we're off the record sure. <laughs> you know that's you know it's sort of uh, so so it's yeah there, there's there's two sides of it but I'll be glad to I you know it's good to be able to be a little more open and out so let's, let's get back to BG Independent a little bit and sort of looking at the future and you know with you and Jan starting this thing it has changed a bit for sure since it started I mean the technology changes the way you share stories uh just developing content like where are you at right now with the site do you feel like you've locked into something that you have a formula that works you know obviously it's a lot of time so you don't want to start adding much things it's going to take up even more of your time you know, yeah no monetary yeah. game but yeah where like where do you what are some creative ideas or just ways of thinking about bg independent now 
Um, I think I, I, I would say we, we, we're at a point that we need to really think about about that, and we are thinking about that, both from you know the look of the page. You know, we've had the page hasn't really changed in five years. Mm -hmm. You know, the look of the page, um, bringing in more revenue. I really feel like I really need to get Jan more money. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm. You know, my wife and I are. You know, we're not wealthy any by any means. You know, mm -hmm. but we've we've worked things well that, you know, we're pretty comfortable. She's retired. You know. Um, and I, you know, it, it, that's the other issue is how long do I want to continue doing this? I'm 67. I'm, do I want to do this? I'm not going to do this till I'm 80. Sure. And I think I'm not going to do it till I'm 70. So, yeah. so this, that's one of the things I'm looking at this summer. We have hired, um, Andrew Bailey from the university to, to work on some stories cool. for us. And that's the, you know, that's going to enable us to go on vacation and be a little, especially especially Jan, to be a little more freewheeling. I've, in the past, I've gone on vacation last year. I went on vacation, we went up to the UP, actually we went up to the Keweenaw, mm. which is all the way in the UP, the UP's UP. The UP's UP, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we went to the Keweenaw, so it's not a question. I, I had no connectivity. We were camping. <laughs> yeah. In order to get any sort of signal, we had to drive to a supermarket parking lot. <laughs> so I only, I post, I think I did end up posting a couple stories, but sure. it was, but so give us some vacation, but also to give me some time to do some investigating of where this, where this can go. You know, is this is this a sustainable a sustainable model? And so that's it's interesting. It's been interesting. We we felt like pioneers when we did it. Mm -hmm. We're less pioneers now. There are a lot of places doing these sort of things. A lot of them are nonprofits. Yeah. We opted not to be a nonprofit sure. just because of the paperwork. You know, and it's very simple. We get money in. Yeah. We, I, we figure out how much we can take out to pay ourselves and pay the government at the end of the year. So it's, yeah, it's, that's, that's, you know, that's where we're going. I think, I, I think there's a need. I think that the important thing though is there is a need. There's a need for somebody to go to a city council meeting and not just do one story with, and they also did, but do like stories on all the major issues that come up and pick up, you know, and that's the, that's the other thing of being live. You pick up things that are, you know, might only be mentioned and you think, well, you know, what's, what's the deal on that? And Jan's great at, at doing that. So that's, I think there is a need. It, there is a need whether there's a financial model. You know, it's, I hear that's, a lot That's of the people. trick really. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the financial model in many ways what are your two options more probably underwrite sort of more of a Patreon approach or you take more where you just sort of have to fill a bunch of ads and stuff. Yeah. Right. And that starts to get into sort of that. It's a tricky thing because right. that's what starts to sort of deteriorate from some of that feeling as though what you're doing is journalistically okay. Because then yeah. if you have too many of those sponsors, then you have to start to think about what can I write about? You know, well, where sort we, of, you know, we are, you know, that's, that's part of it. And that's, and that really is probably, it's like a double-edged sword, right? Like, oh, we get difference. more money, but now we can't yeah. sort of control as much as we well, want to. I mean, we you do. should be able to. We we do, we and and I, but I think that is probably the biggest difference between what we did with the newspaper and what we do now. Is when we were with the newspaper, we were with the newspaper, and there was that filter. We were, you know, not necessarily cogs. We were both recognized in the community, but yeah. still was there. This is personal. This is this stuff is about David and Jan. Yeah. And people go after you 
on that. You know, social media, Facebook, I hate Facebook. Yeah. It is an absolute necessary evil. That yeah. the, the term necessary evil has existed for many years, but I think it was just waiting for Facebook, for Facebook to, to be sure. created. Oh, it, so it, it really is. Really, really, it's like taken over so many things, but not, but not done them any that efficiently. So it's like this, it's like necessary, but it never really addresses the need of what it's supposed to be doing. And like for a band, it's weird. It's like, well, Facebook never went down and go, hey, you know what we want to do? We want to help people get their music out and find ways to get people to their shows. That was right. never really it. It was a technology that exists. And with news, it's similar where they never really, hey, we want, we want to get people information in the most purest and efficient yeah. way, right? But there's a lot of power with that. The way you can right. share it, the way it can be, can pick up momentum. And as you know, probably with BG Independent, stuff that just doesn't share is easy. It, it can be. Yeah. But you don't have that huge tool underneath it, you know? Yeah. Sort of, but, but it's necessary. It's the way it was. Is what that the only one you guys it. use, right? Is Facebook of the, of the social medias? Do you do it is anything only, else? I did, I did Twitter for a while. Okay. But it's there again, it's a time thing. And you would think, oh, you're just doing Twitter, a tweet. There's so much there, though. It just seems like a. Yeah, there's so many things to be distracted by there. It's sort yeah, of it's like sort of it is, I'm not sure we are getting. I was not seeing, looking at the analytics, I was not seeing that we were, it was driving traffic to us. Yeah. Instagram, I, I get told, my daughter tells me, now there is a way to link to stories, but it's it's too, it's not, it's, it's it too removed. I, it love, hard, I, yeah. I like Instagram. Direct links to stories yeah. and stuff is hard through that, through yeah. that model. I, is, yeah. I like Instagram. Of the, of the social media, it's the one I spend the most, personally spend the most time on, but yeah. it's a personal account. Sure. And it's just, you know, yeah, yeah. So yes, we we unfortunately only use Facebook and are relying on Facebook. What about like even any ideas of like, any ideas of developing your own app or something that, that would um, minimize? You know, yeah, it we discussed like it with we discussed it with the Zibbles, and it was seemed like that was going to be not. There's a lot of cost and time involved to make that work. People, right, everyone's got exactly a different phone that. and everything. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, I was involved was, in a lot of website stuff in the early 2000s, and so even back then, everyone, if you use a different browser sometimes could cause all kinds of problems yeah, with the way like, things display and especially if you're dealing right. with media it's kind of it's complex you know the other issue is if you make a mistake and we do make mistakes we work you know when you're working with as many facts and stuff we do mistake make yeah. mistakes the more layers there are the harder once you correct a mistake <laughs> to go find that we get yeah, to go find i remember a, a day when we had there was a name in a story that wasn't supposed to be, and we had t I thought I had gotten them all out, and there was it just existed like in the last paragraph or something. Yeah. And it took me hours, and I think I finally had to kill the story and repost it to finally, so it wouldn't get out. And all yeah. this is playing out on Facebook. You know, people are saying, oh, it's still there. It's still there. <laughs> I can actually attest to that. We, had a, we actually had a pretty funny incident with... Uh, this with wasn't funny. <laughs> this was... This one, uh, this one this, this, ours was funny. Uh, we had a story for the Sentinel ran... Uh, in this, I don't know. I think it was it was like earlier in the spring. It was about a, our record yeah. release because we ended up we, we put the album out, but we did a we showed the concert film at Howard's, and so uh, the reporter had done taking some photos of us, and he ended up picking a certain photo, but the captions were written for that, and everything was there. But then that photo was switched, but the captions <laughs> were never changed, and so it became this comedic thing where like it had been shared everywhere, but it, everything said like it was the wrong person. And it was so, yeah. it became strange. And I realized like there's some danger where once that's out of the, 
the bag, like you almost can't get it back. You know, well, you know, at least with print, in print you're kind of the same. Obviously, once it's print, it's what you're supposed to do. You, you get to like wait till the next day and be like, yeah, we messed up. Sorry, you know. And it's yeah, kind of like, oh, print that's, that's there. It doesn't really solve that. The nice problem. thing with digital is usually you can switch it. There is some power there to it. be like, hey, I can fix that, you know. But yeah, uh, um, but it is some horror stories there. I'm sure, you know. I, I, yeah. I crack up sometimes when I see the some local papers when you're like, oh no, like I. You can tell there weren't a lot of copy editors around that night. You can well, just tell, you know, that's a sort of, I know, understand there's not a lot of resources, you know, and yeah, sort of, uh, that's, but the digital is nice for, at least for, yeah. especially stuff if you make spelling errors or pictures is different than getting something wrong, right? just wrong, which I think that is the most important thing that I right. think you'd want to do. You yeah. Know, try to fix but, that issue. But, you know, that, it happens, it happens to all of us, you know, you're dealing with lots of facts, lots of. That's the nature yeah, of the business, right? No one yeah. can be perfect. I think that'd be something interesting now in the sort of the Twitter, Facebook world is people expecting perfection from even the press. Is sort and of, it's less and so. And then trying now. to hold you up to some standard that doesn't even yeah. exist, you know? Yeah, it's, it, and I've noticed, I noticed that once it started, things started moving online, even places like the Atlantic and, you know, top national newspapers just, they just had, had problems. And I, and I was not, I was not shy if I saw something like in the Boston Globe, I coming from Massachusetts, I still have an online subscription, I'd see something and I would let the reporter know. And I yeah. would always say, you know, this is not a snarky, oh, you made this mistake. I would say, these mistakes are old friends. I treat them as old friends. <laughs> sure. so no, you might want to change that. But yeah. I enjoyed the story. So, yeah, it's, it, it's, that's the, that's the hard part. That's, you know, <laughs> that's the labor of it. What's Talking it? to people. Well, you're doing you know, something every day too, right? So to expect any type of perfection yes. of something that requires you to report every yeah. day, some of the nature of it is sort of you just you just keep moving on and you keep going, you know, which yeah. is kind of a cool thing. I think that's sort of something I like about trying to do this show is trying to do something a little more consistent to where it wasn't much about perfection yeah. and trying to create. It was just doing it and kind yeah. of moving on to the next thing, you know, and trying to learn from mistakes. So I've Plenty yeah. of mistakes have been made in doing things. So. Yeah, and you're doing stuff. Stuff comes up. You have to do it Sunday afternoon when yep. you had the shooter up there. You're doing stuff. You know, and you, if you make a little mistake, and somebody brings it up, and it's like, you want to say, "Are you working on a Sunday afternoon?" <laughs> or the worst is having to post something first thing in the morning when the coffee is, and you haven't had your coffee yet, and you just have to learn that. Oh, you have to be aware that okay, this is a danger right now. That you are not at your most precise. But. Well, Dave, I, I think that's about it for our conversation here. I okay. really enjoyed, yeah, learning more about you, sort of the origins of BG Independent and just sort of your story. I think, you know, I'm appreciative of the work you've done here in Bowling Green. You know, we've crossed paths, you know, with you sharing quite kind words about yeah. funeral leaves over the years. And so I've always had an appreciation for the press and the, the written word and just story. People are storytellers, you know. Yeah. So I like storytellers, and I think uh, I'm glad you got, you shared some of them. Yeah, well, today, glad so. to be asked, and you know, it's always sort of nice to talk about and be on the other side of the microphone. As That's what I figured. Business. No, this would be a little strange, right? I yeah. got to ask you the questions now. So yeah, yeah. so here you go, Dave. So there okay. you go. So cool. Thank you so much. Very good. So that, that's going to be it. That's our uh, end of episode four. Uh, check us out. We'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks with even more uh, more people and their stories. Thank you. <laughs>